Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod, brought to you as usual by our good friends at Guinness. Don't forget, we've got our Christmas live show confirmed now. Woo! It's going to be at O'Neill's in Soho on Thursday the 12th of December. So check out eventbrite.co.uk if you fancy coming along and joining us for that. Jim and Goody are with me as usual. How are you boys? Oh, I'm good. How are yeah. you, James? I'm great. I'm better this week. Yeah. I'm good. The dust has now settled and well, I'm, I'm back. In your hair? Yeah, I actually put a bit on before, yeah. on before, but it was running. The tube was so hot, it was actually running down the front of my head. So I need to get this sorted, I think. I can't, I can't be mainstream. It's going thinner, isn't it? It, it? Some days it is. If I train, if I do a bit of training, the hairs... Fall out. No, it, it gets wet. And people who know who've got thinning hair, when it's wet, I mean, as you as you well know, Andrew... Um, Mate, mine's growing back. What are you on about? Yeah, but still, when it's wet, it makes it look worse than it generally is. Yes. But how was the week? What a week. What have you been up to? Um... I mean, you've been all over Twitter just trolling the life out of anyone and everything. What, what am I trolling? What I'm doing, James, is giving my opinion on rugby matters. Hashtag this, hashtag that, hashtag this, hashtag that. Uh, Lissy, why, why are you so defensive, Jim? What, not, have you, what have you got to hide? Why have you sold your house in Luton? What do you know? Make no comment. No, listen, oh, and you came at me on Twitter, didn't you? What, what did I say? You said go to sleep or something like that. <laughs> Put the phone down, get off Twitter and go to sleep. And did you? No, of course I didn't, mate. I went to the chocolate cupboard um, and got a star bar. And for people listening, I bought one into studio. Horrid. Are you joking? Well, I got a star bar last week after you said, and then a boost. How good? Nothing on a boost, boost, mate, boost, mate, boost, boost. You t- the amount of people that have come at me gone, oh my God, that is unbelievable. That chocolate bar is phenomenal. I've had a couple at the weekend. Of course I did. Um, quite a quiet weekend, actually. Nice family day yesterday. But I've got a question. So we took the twins swimming yesterday afternoon. You were the nanny and took uh, photos. Me, the, the missus, the okay. twins, oh, and three nannies, actually. Yeah, so we, we all had a bit of a swim. Uh, you go into the pool. And we're members at Stoke Park. Lovely pool. Bush hanging out everywhere? Or? Mate, I'm vetted. To oh, the sorry, I, I didn't mean you. <laughs> <laughs> um, there probably was a few, actually. Oh, mate, I saw one bloke in the, in, the, in the showers. Oh, my bush. You can't say that. You I'm can't like, be looking at people in the showers. No, actually, really. you're right. I'm like a pippy was. Um, and so we're, we're in the pool. And you know, sometimes you feel the chlorine's quite strong. And I said to the missus, I said, are you uh, a bit itchy from the chlorine? She's like, oh, I can feel it a bit. And the missus said, it's probably because, you know, a lot of families bring the kids at the weekend. Obviously, you know, Kids might weigh in the pool a bit more than adults. I'm like, what do you mean? Kids might weigh in the pool more than adults. I said, I get in the pool, and every time I get in, I have a piss. Of course you do, right? Did, am I normal? Or you get, uh, I don't you, do, do that, actually? No. Everyone does, mate. Oh, come on, anyone that says they don't get in the pool. I absolutely do not get in the pool and take a piss. Not, not straight away, but if you need a wee, you just like you just let it out, don't you? Never. No, You've I, never pissed in a pool? I never piss in the you're pool. You're a liar. I don't think I have either. I, I do not piss in the pool. A sauna? Yes. <laughs> a sauna, but not a swimming pool. I'm telling you it's now, grim. every bloke, and I just thought it was a bloke thing, you're, you're lying. So at this place that you go, you're pissing in the pool as soon as you get in there. You Absolutely. are a sick beast. <laughs> you're a sick unit. I'm not, I'm not. Uh, for all members of Stoke Park, I do not weigh in the pool. Um, I do, but... That's what chlorine's for, isn't it? Yeah, no idea. I mean, oh, we, I was having this debate with my missus, and, and she was like, oh, blokes, you're horrible. I'm like, yeah, I guarantee all blokes do it. Any bloke that says they've never pissed in a pool when they've got in, or not straight away, or you've just been in the pool and you're like, oh, why not? Of course you do. It's it's natural. So any bloke, well, I'm, I'm going to say any blo- little bit like Saracens, any bloke that says they don't piss in the pool or have never pissed in a pool is a liar. What's that got to do with Saracens? Well, Saracens, uh, salary sons have lied a bit, haven't they? So, okay. um, you know, so there we go. about the weekend or not? How was your weekend, James? 
It was your birthday. Happy birthday. Thanks. Birthday, for Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yesterday, yeah. Um, Good day? No. <laughs> Go on. Well, what do you want me to say? Well, I, I like the breakdown of your weekend because I know what's happened. Friday, put the twins to bed and it is hell at the minute. It is absolutely hell on earth. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with myself. What, why is it hell? I actually said to Beck, I hate my life at the minute. She said, that's a bit extreme, but so do I. I said, well, there you go. <laughs> so the twins aren't sleeping at all. Put put the kids to, to bed. Beck's like, oh, I feel sick. I was like, all right. Could be hormones. It could be something you've eaten. Pregnant again? Could be pregnant. Hope not, because I'm walking out the front door. <laughs> Next thing, and to be fair, she's very rarely sick. Projectile vomiting, I think. I mean, from what it sounds like, into the toilet. That's me. So that's me, as in I know that I'm on call now for the next 24 hours with the kids. Or just being a dad. Oh, my God. So we we, we parent very differently, me and my wife. <laughs> no shit. So, she, she does it, you don't. <laughs> so she's the patient one, and I am the disciplinarian. And disciplinarian, I don't mean I get the, the old school slipper out, the wooden spoon that we had as kids. Well, you, you won a few of those as well, didn't you? You got yeah, won a few millions of them. Well, yeah, it's very, very synonymous with my life. What a fucking word, synonymous. So... Beck's spewing all night. And as I said, the twins are getting out of bed, I'd say, every two hours for about an hour. Now, Beck would normally, in the middle of the night, get up and go and put them back in the bed. Right, it's night time now. Walk back out the room. She'll sit outside the room for an hour, two hours, as long as it takes for them to get back to sleep. I'm on a mattress in JJ's room because he's got the biggest room because he's my favorite kid. <laughs> so I'm lying on his floor on the mattress. And opposite to what Beck does, I'm so the twins are getting out of bed. This is it's about half one to half three in the morning. And I'm like, get into bed, get in your beds. I am screaming off the floor. I don't want to keep getting up and down every five minutes and putting them back in the bed. I did that once and they didn't listen. So Beck's texting me from the toilet. What, what, why are you screaming for? Why don't you just get... <laughs> I was like, let me do it my way. Just let me do it my way. Otherwise, I'm Please. walking out the front door at three in the morning. It was a weekend from hell. So happy birthday. Uh, what else? Took JJ to rugby Sunday, started playing rugby. Nice. Yeah. I bet he's big, isn't he? I bet he just goes around banging boys, does he? He likes tackling, likes the contact, like his good dad, you know, just some are built for his, some. His are, good dad? Like his good old dad. Well, well you're his, his dad. Who's his good dad? If you're, you're his dad. No, this is the be- This is me out, outside when I'm not with the twins. This is like oh, good okay. dad. Yeah. So at the rugby, so they played Tetbury yesterday. Uh, mate, it's good. Mate, I'm, I'm impressed with. What position? The, mate, they ain't got a position. Oh, is it just. Oh, it's, yeah. Okay. He's all arms and legs. Are you, are you shouting from the sideline? Maul till the cows come home. See, I, I, I'm a shouter. I didn't think I would be. I mean, shouting to encourage. And obviously some dads and, and whatever get, oh, yes, a knock on. Just let them play. Let them carry on. So defensive line, I'm screaming, get off the line. Oh, get sal- the win. Salary sums again. <laughs> exactly. Hey, that's the way you need to move forward. But no, um, it's good. I'm enjoying that with him. He's enjoying his rugby. That's awesome, yeah. isn't it? To be fair. Yeah. yeah for all the, There's dads listening out there, taking your kids to do and watch them play sport and things like that I think it's awesome get a free hot dog after the after the game why is it free I don't know that's part of what they do in the community so, so the you, kid gets the hot dog but you take it off JJ well, I take the sausage he keeps the bun <laughs> <laughs> so that was my weekend yeah and you guys are coming out of retirement am I right well I certainly am well Goody definitely is yeah I'll let him tell you more and then I will piggyback fully clothed oh yeah please uh, but yeah I'm coming out of retirement on Wednesday this Wednesday the 20th of November we talked about it last week uh, gave a shout out on the pod uh, there's a memorial game for PC Andrew Harper who tragically lost his life uh, in the line of duty for the police force while answering a burglary um, and we're trying to raise as much money as we can for UK Cops Charity which is Care of Police Survivors so it's a charity that takes care of families uh, who have lost loved ones in the line of duty in the police for so get yourself down to Maidenhead Rugby Club on Wednesday the 20th of November this Wednesday coming uh, 6.30 kickoff 
come and take the piss. I will be struggling after about, well, actually, probably when I've just walked on the field, it'll be a struggle, to be honest. But stick the shoulder, I'll be 15 yards from any contact, to be honest. What? So what is the plan? Is it a full-on game? Because it's a full-on I, game. It's the Thames Valley Stags against the uh, Met Police XIX. 15. See, the fact that it says XIX makes me think that it's X and they're all going to be 60 years old. Which well, is, fucking hope they are. Yeah, I do as well. So <laughs> if I can make it down, I'm go- I'm in Birmingham uh, doing an interview with uh, Manu Tuolangi at half three, four, and I'll be flying like an eagle responsibly. It depends. The Gilbert boots I'm going to wear away in the I car. I mean, no, those boots were fucking shocking. Albeit a Land Rover Discovery, and it's a very nice car, and it's used to pulling and towing. It ain't used to having a pair of size 15 Gilberts in the boot. So if I can make it down there... I'll come down for a more, yeah. I, I Genuinely, I ran yesterday at the rugby. I've got a tight groin. I, am, yeah, <laughs> I, I swear to God, I'm not making excuses. And my first thing was, I weren't thinking, oh, I can't get on the Watt bike tomorrow or whatever. My first thing was, is what about the game on Wednesday? Yeah. So I'm going to die. I mean, St. John's Ambulance are coming as well with the defib, just in case. Mate, you shouldn't be saying, hey, don't joke. <laughs> no, I know. Don't joke. But it is. It's one of them where you do get requests to do things and we speak a lot about the Matt Hampson Foundation and, and Doddy Weir. They've got an event on Thursday that we're all going to. Mm. Uh, but I think that this one is an important cause to raise awareness for. And, and you know, it's a good thing, Goody, because yeah. of the story behind it and uh, the money. And look, you know, I don't want to get too political, but I just think that, you know, the NHS, the police force, the fire service, all these these services are, are underfunded. They, they really are. So us being able to maybe give a bit back or you, you rocking up and... It's huge, isn't it? I mean, you know, support the police. It's a quite an easy thing for me to do, you know, to try and raise awareness and it'll be fucking tough on the night, let me tell you. Uh, but, you know, if you can't get down and um, you talk about fundraising, uh, go to the Just Giving page. So it's justgiving.com forward slash Tom hyphen day seven uh, and donate what you can. Uh, I've paid my match fees and my subs on that Just Giving page. Let's get as much money as we can to support our police force and the UK Cops charity. On that note, uh, one of my best mates is a copper. We call him PC Plod. Is he actually a copper? Or? He's a copper, yeah. Copper Bentley, yeah. And we started talking about it. So he drives around, he's, he's up north, and he said it can be quite boring. I said, well, why don't I come out with you one day? I'll let you taser me. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'd let him taser me, yeah. Can you do that? Or not? I, don't, that I don't reckon that's happening, Jim. Why? Well, come down on Wednesday and we'll see if they can do one in the changing room. <laughs> <laughs> Naked. It's funny though. So the, 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 a few a few of the lads have come messing me on Twitter and all this stuff that are playing. And they're like, oh, don't worry. We've got the Vita at the ready for all the lads. There'll be no bushes on show. They all love the podcast. So should be good fun. That's always the worry. That's my biggest worry. It isn't playing. It's rocking into the shower after the game. People knowing that the, the boys at other clubs call me the elephant man. <laughs> and it's, and it's going to be minus 10. It's going to be minus 10 on Wednesday. I'm going to be on. Sh- I'm going to be filming in Birmingham all day. Hey, I'm going to be so dehydrated. So if I shoot off at the end of the game, I you need know, to get back to the swims. You know why? Well, just briefly uh, before we get into the, or it might not be briefly before we get into the Champions Cup, Saracens have released a statement confirming that they're not going to appeal the recent ruling of the independent panel in relation to salary cap breaches. Thoughts? Well. Goody knew, knew about it on, on Saturday. He was how did you know about, about it? it? How did you know about it? <laughs> when you're in the know, guys, you're in the know. Yeah, but how did you know? Get well, it? I have my sources, and it's normally red and brown sauce on a bacon and egg sandwich, but you're not going to reveal your sources, Jim. And it's one of those things that there's a lot of people talking about this. The first thing I want to say is, on the 5th of November, Saracen's Rugby Club is shocked and disappointed by these heavy-handed sanctions and will launch an appeal against the disciplinary panel's findings. That was the statement that Saracen's made. And today's statement by Nigel Ray. 
We have made mistakes, and so with humility, we must accept these penalties. We confirm our commitment to the salary cap and the underlying principle of a level playing field and will continue to work transparently with Premier Premier Rugby Limited in this regard. And your point I mean, being? What a turnaround, eh? What? This, all these interviews a couple of weeks ago. Oh, we're shocked. Didn't see it coming. I've spoken about it for about four years on the podcast about the salary cap. Salary Sons, and that's their new name, Salary Sons, they've been clearly breaching it. And they have. They've been caught. And do you know what? For all the all the conjecture and all the debate around it, they've finally put their hands up and said they've, that they've done wrong. And that's a good thing. I, their statement, again, doesn't sit that well with me. Oh, God. If it doesn't sit well with you, then... Oh, well, God. Well, they hold us on Twitter. Well, that's no, no, what no. I'm saying. Well, no, I'm just, okay, why doesn't um, that sit well with you, Goody? Well, this is uh, the opening statement. When you put your hand up and you've done something wrong, the hardest thing is just to admit it. Just say, yes, I've done it. I've eaten too much. Yeah. Well, I've left the skidder in the toilet. <laughs> um, but they've, uh, I've pissed in the swimming pool. Yeah, I've pissed in the swimming pool. I do. So it said here, uh, any review or further appeal would be a costly, time-consuming and destabilizing exercise. And so for the good of the game, the Premiership and this wonderful club and all its great people, a club which I have loved and served for 25 years, we have decided not to appeal but to take our punishment and hopefully soon put this behind us. So you're basically now saying that it's going to be costly and time-consuming. Well, you spent a load of money over the salary cap, paying players outside of the salary cap, so what, what does cost matter? I don't understand why you're still going on being horrible about it. I'm not it, being horrible. I'm just you being... Are. No, you are. I'm, you, to, I'm not being horrible. You are. So here, here's the, the thing. The, the tone in which you're using in terms of Nigel Ray's statement, who, let's not forget, has done loads for the game and has also, you know, has come out and said, you know, there's been administrative... They're not, mate, they're not administrative. Like, well, whatever, I'm just going on what it that. says. But, you know, I, look, it's come out now, so there's just no need to carry on being horrible about I'm it. I'm not being there? horrible. What, what I'm saying is, so if you're one of the other 12 clubs that sit in this premiership, Rugby capsule. Don't, don't say capsule because that's that's. Oh, you can actually. Blood capsule is fine. Sorry, go on. <laughs> but they sit in this Premiership Rugby agreement. So there's the twelve clubs at the minute plus Newcastle. So as I said last week, salaries have gone through the roof. You know, clubs have missed out on semi-finals, have missed out on finals, have missed out on trophies, have had a lot of costs around the club game because of what Saracens have done. So does that annoy you then? Is that is that why? No, you... but what I'm saying is, no, 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 you can't no, just no, drop it now no, and no, go. I'm not, but I'm asking you, does this annoy you? As a as a fan, as someone that's in the media, no, yeah, no, it seems like it does. The th- the thing for me is we've celebrated Saracens and what they've done, but I've always said and I've been consistent on the podcast that they're breaking the salary cap. So why have you always celebrated them then? If you've said that, I've celebrated their success in Europe. I've, listen, yeah. what that's what I mean. So you celebrated it, yeah. knowing that you say that well, not know it. Well, cap, uh, presu- thinking. thinking and presuming. So now it's come about. out. It's come out that yeah. they, they've been breaking the salary cap. Yeah. Now you're going to town on them. But I'm, I'm not going to town you know. on them. Now it's out there in the open. We can all talk about it. And I've said it for years on this podcast that they're breaking the salary cap. They've broken it before. They got caught. They paid a, supposedly paid an undisclosed fine along with another club. And then they've been caught again for three years. So for all the great that Saracens have done and for all the great that Nigel Ray's done, he's cost a lot of other people a lot of money as well. There's jobs gone by the wayside. Imagine you're a coach, right? And you're compared to Saracens. Look at their team yesterday. That is normal for a lot of the other premiership clubs in Europe when... What, having a 19-year-old lad playing at 10? Yeah, some clubs, yeah. Go, oh. go back to Sale then. Sale a few years ago when they got in, they had a small squad, they got into Europe, they got absolutely hosed by Toulon yeah. because they, they didn't have the squad depth to compete on both fronts. So that's the difference between Saracens when they can... They had eight players yesterday that played at a World Cup in that match day 23. So you can't say they've got a 19-year-old at 10. I played European Cup rugby at 18 at Leicester. All right, here he is. Know, so that, always back to you, so, eh? so it's not just, you can't just go weird, a 19-year-old playing at 10. It is a whole squad thing. 
and you can take out you know they're not not breaking any any salary cap rules in Europe but what they what they've done is they've inflated the premiership wages which have put a lot of clubs under pressure which means a lot of clubs are losing more money and off the back of it They've had success and they've been able to compete on both fronts and it's therefore not been a level playing field in the Premiership. And when you put it like that, and again, if you emotionally detach yourself and yes, last week it did get heated under the emotion of it. We hugged it out afterwards, didn't we? Well, yeah, we did. You just wanted a warm hug. I bought a star bar and that was about it. Um, Yeah, I can understand, but you just don't know how things would have gone, do you? For me, I would love the facts to come out and... It is really difficult. If they've broke the salary cap, how have they done that? Not if they have. Okay. So they broke the salary cap. That's come out there. How does that look? What have they done? So where are the details? And I'd love to see them. I, I'd love to see where these indiscretions lie. I really would because, you know, is it, have they overpaid the Vunapolas, for example, in, in Vunprop 8, 3, 10 Limited or whatever it's called? Have they overpaid Richard Wigglesworth in there? How much money's in Vunprop? limited well i'm sure laura can go on there and and maybe dig that out and find it you know so we don't know where the indiscretions lie now my views last week and and still now is where my emotions lay with saracens with how good they were to me now this has all come out like you can probably tell by my tone of voice i'm i'm in it it's got nothing to do with me now it's probably a good thing now for, for rugby that they've said look you know okay and whether or not we get that information or not who knows 35 point deduction and their 5.3 million pound fine so there's, I don't know what more more to say. Like for me, it's done now. It's uh, why do you think they changed their mind and accepted it? More, I, I don't know. More the, the cost of more money. I think that they've obviously made admin errors or, or whatever. Nigel saying, I don't want to sound like a dick here. What, what I'm saying, mm. I just think that w- would they get a 25 point deduction and a, and a three million pound fine if they took it through the courts for another year, another 12, 18 months? Is that a good thing for Saracens? Is that a good thing for England? Is that a good thing for? You know, Elliot Daly, who's joined the club, Jack Singleton, who's joined the club, Reese Carey. Do you know what I mean? Owen, Marrow, these guys who are kind of, you know, really well respected in the club. Is it a good thing? No. Um, I'm sure they've they've got a plan of how they're going to deal with this situation. Um, It'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds with, you know, what players are going to stay. If they're still in breach of the salary cap this year, there's talk of Liam Williams moving on. There's talk of Vincent Cock not staying on. Look, it is a mess, but... You know, I was emotionally charged last week. I'm not this week. It is what it is. It's what more can you say? I ain't done anything wrong. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, <laughs> like, well, you had your one bedroom house in Luton. Apparently, Laura didn't mention that. Laura did not did not disclose any information no. on that. This and, year. And, and listen, we, we've been around the houses on it, and she like what I did there. Yay. But the reality of it is, they've taken the fine now. They've taken the points deduction. Um, the next question for everyone, and it can't just be put to bed now and go. There you go. You're done. The next question is: You look at the squad this year that has significantly improved off the back of last year. And if they broke it last year, and again, it's the detail that we don't know, are some of these investments or are some of these players' contracts front-loaded where, argument's sake, player A, and I'm not going to use a player's name, but player A's total package is 700 grand. 700 grand a year. So do they say over three years, that's 2.1 mil over three years. Do they say, here's a million quid into a business um, that we don't think is under the, uh, part of the salary cap? Is this what they've done? We don't know. And then there's 1.1 million left to pay you through salary or other means over three years. And, and that's what we don't know, the detail of how their accountancy has worked, how their packages have worked with players. But to the layman who's looking at that squad this year, compared to last year, these players that have come in have significantly improved the squad again this year. So that's the question that everyone, and I'm just asking the questions that every other fan around the world 
apart, apart from Saracens fans, and maybe some Saracens fans, are asking. And that's why I'm posing these questions on our platform, because well, that's what we have, Jim. So, you know, for, for us just to say, oh, it's, it's done now, it's over, it ain't. All but- I know is, is I'm looking at the table live on screen now, and Saracens are minus 22. Leicester will be pretty happy with that. The big thing for me now is how they deal with it okay so let's take it look you know we can carry on and we can keep throwing fish into the car off the back of it we can we can we can carry on being negative about it it is where it is and as you say it will carry on saracens as a team how is this going to affect england you know what are they going to do in europe you know i don't know what's going to happen but you could potentially see some of the england players saying no forget it i'm going to stick with saracens over the six nations not a hope okay. in hell all right are they going to turn down over the Six Nations, five games, five times 25 grand, Jim. How much is that? 125. <laughs> so you're, are you saying that some of those players will then think, oh, actually, I'd rather stay at Saracens, not earn that 125 grand, not earn those five caps, not potentially get a grand slam just to make sure Saracens are all right. When I actually don't think that, and again, we're just talking openly, I actually don't think within the agreement between Premier Rugby and England, England play, the RFU pay a lot of money to get release of these England players that... <laughs> that will happen because imagine the other 12 clubs in that premiership group that see that happening and go and Eddie Jones goes oh, I'm not going to pick I'm Farrell he's is not my best turn is he a key is he, whatever he is they're going to play in the premiership on those weekends when England are playing it ain't happening alright well you can but there is a lot on, of yeah, there's still a lot you, of water to go under the bridge well, you, can, I, I, you keep going on about it and I'm, for our listeners and people came at me on Twitter the other day and said, I'm, you know, I'm gleefully having a pop at Saracens. I'm just talking the facts, and I'm just talking about, we've got to debate this. Yeah, but you're not talking the facts, you're talking them in terms of like, ha-ha, like as in... That's just to you, Jim. But you've got to talk about it. You have to talk about it, and you have to be honest. And, you know, there's going to be changes to the salary cap from what you hear. A lot of people are complaining there's been four premiership games, and how, are they breaking the salary cap this year? Well, Saracens have said they're not. From what I hear, premiership rugby might do a mid-season review. And now Saracens are going to be have to be so transparent with everything i can't see personally and it's only my opinion how they can be under the salary cap this coming year if every one of those players in that squad plays in the premiership and a lot of it is to do with actually so liam williams is out for a, lot, a fair bit of time so he he's his wages won't come in to the premiership salary cap unless he plays in it same with uh, alex good he's out for a long time so there will be things that make it work for them but one of the other arguments was could they have a european squad and a premiership squad well, yeah, they could. But as soon as you play a player in the premiership, his wages then count towards a salary cap. So there's loads of different questions about it. People way above our pay grade at each club know exactly the ins and outs of the salary cap. Um, I'm just summing up for the layman. And, you know, Saracens have been caught. They've put their hands up now. They've finally admitted to it. It's some turnaround in two weeks. And there's going to be more to talk about over the next two, three, four, five months about what happens in the premiership. Do they win enough games to stay up? Or... Um, you know, do they get relegated? Well, let's talk about the action on the pitch now. Uh, they went over to France, didn't they? And uh, under strength side, went down to Racing. What did you guys make of that? Yeah, it was always going to be tough. Um, what's that place called? La Défense Arena. La Défense Arena. I think it looks shit. Really? I know, I, and I feel awful saying that because I've never been there. But I'm, I'm watching it. I'm like, I, I can't work out what, what it's meant to be. That ain't Ruggers. Yeah, a little bit. But anyway, I don't know. Uh, I might be completely wrong. I might be jealous because I've never played there. And uh, to be fair, Racing did play well at the weekend in that stadium with the tunes coming on in between. And my good mate, Finn Russell, how good was he? I thought he was exceptional. You know, salaries are always on the back foot, weren't they? Um, we Take the salary cap out of it. Let's talk about what visually we could see. Vakatawa, how good was that line? Oh. Uh, Teddy Toma, 
Finn Russell on the front foot. Um, Camel Shat. What a name. Jeez but, Louise. But, I, I can't get me, I cannot get my head away from it. I said to my son, do you know what his name is? He said, what? I said, don't tell mum, but his name's Camel Shat. And what did JJ say? Didn't flinch. <laughs> no, of course he didn't. Maybe it's his young cool kids, mate. One of the one of the best lines, um, Alistair Eakin, the commentator, said, he was like, oh, and, and there's Shat all over the ball. Oh, I get it. Shat all over the ball, get it? Shat I wonder if he did it on purpose. all over the ball. And he, he he wouldn't have, but it was just, yeah, it's brilliant. And he's some player there, isn't he? But yeah, Solid. listen, Saracens were, I think everyone expected that when you see the teams. Although, Vincent Cock, by the way, on the bench, and people talk about, oh, you know, we're resting our Saracens players that played in the World Cup for England. Vincent Cock was on the bench for South Africa in the final. How much has he drank over the last few days over in South Africa celebrating? And then he's got to be on the bench there, but uh, not the England boys. But yeah, listen, it's, you know, that is a normal sort of English performance away from home for a normal club that has stuck in underneath the salary cap and um, <laughs> has had a few players rested or injured. That, that, that's what's happened historically over time uh, in the Champions Cup. And, you know, it's a tough thing to compete, but that's uh, Saracens. Welcome back to everyone else's world. And Billy won the Battle of the Burns, Ulster versus Bath, uh, over his brother. Do you guys watch that game? Watched most of it, yeah. It was a good build-up, actually, wasn't there? Uh, Channel 4 did with Billy and Fred, with Ed Jackson, who's who's doing the presenting for them, doing a brilliant job. But, I mean, it was a good game, to be fair. Out of all the games at the weekend, I'd say it was, it was one of the best games. Um, Ulster, notoriously, in my eyes, are a big team. Like they always have been, and under Dan McFarlane as a head coach, and obviously friend of the show, Darren Cave is is, is well associated to them. Stephen Ferris, Jeez, they got a lot better since Cave has retired, didn't they? they? No, they've got a lot better since Dan McFarlane's come in. I think that's what it looks like yeah. anyway. And Billy Burns has gone there, for, uh, having left Gloucester since Cipriani turned up, and you know the horse rocked up and put an unbelievable <laughs> tackle at the end. <laughs> no! The one thing I'd say on that tackle that is great work to get back there. But question for me is, why hasn't the TMO or the referee looked at his first hit on? Uh, Chris Cook, who fair enough was playing out of position as well, going to come off the bench um, in the wide channels. He's a scrum half, but he was playing wing, fullback, wherever he was. I reckon he's hit him high, and then he's bounced off him, got back, and brilliant defence. You see him actually pointing, don't you, to stay on Mercer, and then he gets the outside to get to Rocket. Great work, but you know, for Bath fans listening, uh, I think they're a little bit disappointed that they didn't go back and look at that to see whether it was a high shot. Yeah, I don't think it was that one. They were talking about uh, Cooney. His shot on um, Zach Mercer as well. Uh, no arms tackle. Both then, isn't it? Yeah, Delalio was talking about it as well. But look, you've got to be in it to win it. Yeah. Um, and that's a big win down there because it was a it was a tight game throughout. Cooney, friend of the show, played well? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Mate, I, I like Ulster. Mm. Really do. Love going to the Kingspan. Love playing at Ravenhill when it was called that back then. Love Titty Von Tramp as well? Like. Okay, like. like just like. Mm, like. Yeah. Slightly aging. I'm not into older people. You know what I mean? Mm. My wife's younger than me. Well, you, you turned 40 last week, Jim, so... Oh, yeah, I should probably clear that up, actually. I, it was actually 36, not 40. 36? You're not yeah. 36. Man. I could I was still playing that's at 36, right. yeah, I Jim. am. <laughs> I am. What year were you born? 83. Okay, that's 36. You. Yeah, thank you very much. Northampton bet top 14 leaders, Leon and Goody. You've tipped them to qualify, haven't you, Saints? You said they bet them? Yeah, they bet them. Okay, no, they beat them. Um, yeah, listen, I mean, Leinster in that group are going to be very strong, but uh, Saints, they've got... you know. Dan Bigger played really well, didn't he? I was a bit disappointed in Leon, to be honest. Discipline was shocking. 24 penalties or something. You know, and you expect them top of the top 14. Uh, massive pack to rock up. But Saints were, they were awesome. I like Chris Boyd. Coach me at the Sharks. He's a brilliant head coach. What did you see his interview before the game about Cobus Reinach? No. 
So there's a load of rumours going around about Montpellier trying to sign Kovac oh, Reinach. And Boyd, he's been interviewed on BT Sport and he's like, yeah, if they've got a big checkbook, they can come and speak to me about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite interesting. But yeah, very open. Um, yeah, they've got Naira Voro's obviously an absolute beast. Um, Hutchinson. Hutchinson, and, yeah, that first try. Why didn't he go to the World Cup? Well, that's what everyone's saying. And Scotland, you know, didn't even get out of the group. If Hutchinson had been on that plane, they might have won it. He's that good. Um, Hindsight. Uh, here's a question for you. So... You watch more of the top 14. Yeah. And obviously Leon are top. So yep. in the lead up to I actually had a look at some of the clips online. Very good. Very, very good team, clearly. Top of the top 14. Bastero, you Bastero. Playing for the Barbars. Why is he not playing for Leon? He was on a short-term contract just over the World Cup so, to cover those first, I think it was nine top 14 games. Ah, okay. So I'll tell you what, you, you, you're a centre for all your career. You're going to play number eight at Leon, Then you're going to go and get a plane and live in a basement in New York and Harlem. <laughs> good luck to him. So French. Uh, Leon. um, I mean, I, I just think fair play to Northampton. Yeah, their, their form in the Prem has been brilliant. I know Bristol's a top, but um, commentating on a couple of Northampton games. Brandon Rugby's brilliant. So now they're back to full complement. Uh, they've got some quality players. You mentioned Nia Voro, Hutchinson, Reinach. Fur, Furbank I like as well. Yeah, Furbank's quality, yeah. young lad. You know, Grayson as well at 10 uh, as a young lad with Bigaroo. What about that hit from Reinach? I know it's gone a little bit viral, Yeah, hasn't it? But, you know, Henry Taylor's done really well. Mate of mine I was at Sarri's with and he's now at Northampton doing well and Ryanet comes back. Yeah, they've got strength in depth. Good blend as well, haven't they, between some real experience and some quality youngsters coming through. Yeah, they have. Um, so yeah, big things hopefully for Northampton this year. And we should give a shout out to Hartley because his retirement came after we did the podcast. Yeah. He's obviously not played a while for Northampton, but you know, regardless of pe- what people's thoughts are on him in terms of his discipline issues, you know, whether they like him or they don't like him, you've got to give him full respect for what he's done. Loyal to Northampton as a club. And, you know, there's a lot to, to be said for loyalty. Not many players stay at one club and give it their all. Why'd you look at me? I don't know. Actually. I don't know. I did 10 years at Leicester. Yeah, I know. And then chased the cash. Yeah, I know. Uh, and what he did for England as well is his second second highest cap player. So all them things, we need to give Dylan Hartley a shout out, you know, as well as Northampton that are, are rocking on. They're just, they're marching on. Yes, James. Yeah, and a great win for Exeter away at La Rochelle as well, guys. Um, is that everyone's talking now that this could be their year in Europe? Is are they getting a bit ahead of themselves or what? Uh, I I don't think people are getting ahead of themselves. I think at the start of every tournament, and I did a piece for Rugby Pass last week. You just look at all the teams and you go, right, who's got a chance of winning it? And Leinster are obviously going to always be there. Claremont, you're always going to talk about them because of the players they've got. Then you look at the extra squad and you look what they've done in the Premiership. At some point, they will be able to transform that into European form. And they haven't done over the last... I think they've made one quarterfinal in their time in the Champions Cup. And they've been openly disappointed themselves and, and said that. So you learn things along the way um, and they have done. And you know, no better way to start than a, a massive bonus point victory over in, in France. La Rochelle's a tough place to go. How many teams that go there and win? They're a good team. Yeah, they are a good team. But they, you know, La Rochelle play an exciting brand of rugby. A couple of big turning points in the game. Just before half-time, Exeter's defence to hold them out right on their, by their line was phenomenal. And they celebrated that like it was a, they've scored a try themselves. It was that big. And then Henry Slade, you talk about world-class players. Um, you know, he pops up and go, gets an intercept as La Rochelle's machine was starting to roll. And um, that took the game away from them, really. So they, they're really good away from home. Stuart Hogg played well at fullback as well. Needs to sort his lid out. He does. We'll, we'll chat to him later about that, I think. But uh... Yeah, look, I had a few question marks over Exeter um, in the lead-ups this season. I mentioned that I didn't think they were going to make top four. Then I changed my mind last minute. No, I don't think you did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and said that they would. But their form <laughs> their form hasn't been amazing in the Prem. Like, it hasn't. And uh, 
you know, Gooley mentioned made the quarterfinal once, but they've been a little bit disappointing there. And that's the, the revolution for them. Um, they always do well in the Prem. They've got some good players um, who are in their prime. They're well coached under Rob Baxter. They've added to the squad now with Stuart Hogg, who could be their point of difference. And he, you know, he, he was, he's, you know, he, he's gone straight back into the mix from the World Cup and he wanted to start playing and it's been brilliant so you know with Slade in that back line as well and their forwards are always good like good set piece good more when they get five metres out they're, they're very very effective and they're difficult to stop so yeah I like Exeter and I'd love to see them do one in the Champions Cup this year some good uh, moustaches as well well you guys have both mentioned how well Stuart Hogg played over the weekend and we can now have a chat to the star of the show how are you mate? I'm very well, thanks guys. How are you? Hoggy, you sound very energetic as always. Um, let's get straight into it. How are you getting on? How is Exeter? Long way from home? Yeah, I'm loving it so far, Big Jim. Uh, you know, the boys have welcomed me with open arms and uh, yeah, it's been an enjoyable few weeks. A lot of learning to be done, but yeah, I've had a lot of fun along the way as well. And you said they've welcomed you with open arms. Was that while they were stood there naked, all of them collectively, with a special <laughs> pint? Well, I mean, what do you mean yeah, open yeah. arms? What Initiation, we need to hear about <laughs> yeah. this, don't we? Uh, yeah, I've heard. Of, well, I've kind of heard little snippets of what's happening, but thankfully I managed to miss that. We've been at the World Cup, so I think it might not get done at Christmas time. So yeah, any time I go ask the boys about it, they just laugh in my face. Um, so yeah, I guess you just got to take it on the chin and get on with it, don't you? That, that, that won't be the only thing that's going on your face in that initiation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about the game at the weekend. Obviously, a massive performance from you boys uh, over at La Rochelle. Um, bit of pressure, perhaps, from the week before when you lost the death against Bristol. Um, how, how was the planning in that? Because ultimately, and you wouldn't have experienced this at Exeter, but people have said they've underachieved in Europe over the last few years. Is this the year that could be the one that they lift the trophy? Yeah, he's hoping so. I think, you know, for us, we were a bit disappointed with how, how the Saturday week gone and, you know, we were uh, a bit disappointed with that that result. But we, we, we got back on the horse and, and realised that it's a completely different competition, a chance to kind of freshen up again and, and get on to having that complete exit Chiefs performance, which I think we, we had at the weekend. I think over the last few weeks, it's been coming in dribs and drabs and then we've switched off for a little while and, and allowed teams back into it but at the weekend you know for me I felt that we were in complete control for the full 80 minutes and um, yeah, you can see that in the, in the final result and we need to talk about it as well because there was a kick um, quite early on that was a monster that came off the side of the slipper now normally when we played for Scotland and the ball went off the top of the line out you'd send that basically five metres backwards and then we'd be defending our own try line. You, but... you didn't win a line out when you were playing, Jim. What are you on about? <laughs> yeah, that's um... the problem. It didn't come for a line. <laughs> Hoggy, <laughs> let's just talk, talk about that, how that came off the slipper, mate, because that was a big old kick. Even I know that as a non-expert. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Deno just chucked me the ball uh, in a good position and there seems to be a, a lot of space in the backfield, yeah, so I just... Um, Nudged it through and, and thankfully it came off. I think uh, as it started to land and realised it bounced in the 22, I started to get a little bit nervous that I might have just overcooked it a little bit. But that turned it all right. One of the better ones. Um, came off the right part of the boot and not, not an inside spiral like normal, but uh, now we'll take it. And for you, in terms of the kicking, I'm being a bit of a nause here, but I think it's quite good for the millions of listeners uh, to hear about it because everyone knows about your kind of counter-attack threat and ball in hand. So... In terms of your development as a player, is kicking one of the things that, you, that you're looking at uh, to try and improve? Not that it was I poor mean, before. Who's this Jim Hamilton? How poor are you, Jim? I'm just going back yeah, in 2014. You complete nose. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, answer um, it, Holly. You want to? You've got, you've got to have a, you know, a, a few strings to your bow, I guess. I think, you know, for me, there's there's a time and place to counter-attack and there's a time to, as you would say, sit the can in front of the donkey. So, um, you know, it's it's good to have a you know a decent kicking game. It gets you out of trouble every now and then when you do, you do decide to run it and then end up running up your own backside. So you have to kind of kick it afterwards. But no, it's something I work really hard on. Um, as I say, trying to get the, the team into some good positions. Um, 
and keep the forward pack going forward. Uh, let's talk about Saturday after the game then, because I always like to know, did the boys celebrate? I know the extra boys like a naked bus as well. Um, did you go out on the <laughs> on the town in La Rochelle? Um, no, I was straight back to Exeter. Um, oh, lads, oh. lads. Naked um, naked flight, was it on the way home? Uh, not a naked flight. There's a, there's a few beers on it. You know, the boys were enjoying each other's company and, you know, that was a, a huge result for the club and, and that's uh, the European can, campaign in the best possible way. So, yeah, we did celebrate it. Um, there's a few sore heads on on, on the Sunday, but now look, we're back in this morning ready to, to get on the next job. You know, it's it's uh, one game out of six that, that we're happy with and, and here's hoping we can just kick on again this week uh, against my old boys, Glasgow. Matt, I love how straight-laced you are. We'll come on to that, um, the game next week in a minute, Hoggy. But for you personally, and you know that I'm an avid follower, uh, being a, a fellow Scotland legend of the Scotland team, the World Cup was a disappointment and it was well documented that you wanted to get straight back in you obviously text Baxter straight after the game. Just talk to me about the emotion. I know we, we've, we've seen you talk about it, but I think for the millions of listeners, it would be great just to hear about your mindset wanting to put on that ex jersey. Yeah, I was, you know, with the, with the World Cup, and obviously things didn't go away, but I think you look at that last final game, we talked a lot about not beating ourselves and we coughed up the ball two or three times. I think I'd probably done the, two of them. Um, and, and we ended up under our own post. So we got to give credit to, to Japan on the day they're outstanding and, and they put up one hell of a World Cup, but now for me, the emotions afterwards, I was bitterly disappointed. I was, I was really quite gutted. I mean, worked incredibly hard for four or five months leading up to the World Cup, and, and we felt we were in a great place. And you know, unfortunately, we just didn't back it up. But yeah, the the, the beauty of of rugby is that I got a chance to come down here straight after the World Cup, and that was a big thing that uh, motivated me to, to get back playing. I didn't want to have any rest period. I wanted to just crack on with it because the longer I sit about and and, and think about these things, I'll, God knows what will be going. God knows what will be doing. So. Um, yeah, I was excited to get down. Obviously, it was over a year since we signed, so a kind of long time coming before we could get down. And uh, yeah, no, as I say, now that we're here, I'm really, really enjoying it. I uh, got a smile on my face, which I've not had for a long, long time, and rugby field, and absolutely loving it. And just off the back of you uh, coming back from the World Cup with Scotland, obviously, there's a few England players that have come back to Exeter um, that would have also had uh, a bit of a disappointment. Um, how have those boys settled in? I know Jack Knoll didn't play too much at the World Cup. Uh, Henry Slay played a fair bit. Um, how have they settled back in? And secondly to that question, how beautiful is Henry Slay close up, especially in the changing rooms? Oh, oh my days. He is a big <laughs> handsome bugger, isn't he? I wouldn't, say, uh... I wouldn't say big. I've heard he's got a pit, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Not comment. Um, now, at this point, the, the boys are ultimate professionals. They're straight back in on they played on a Saturday and they were in the club on the Tuesday morning so um, you know fair play to them they've, they've came back in they've just got on with their jobs and you know, obviously they are disappointed with how, with how things have gone for them and you know how many times can you say being in a, a World Cup final you know it's um, unbelievable for those boys so uh, it's great to have them back in and, and you know you're hoping they can they can continue the form that they've had and uh, yeah we can have a successful season here Exeter as we know Hoggy a brilliant club and that's why you've signed there uh, competing on all fronts now but we've got a few friends of the show that come on Nick White's come on uh, Gareth Steenson as well um, we've had Don Almond as well and everything that we speak about with Exeter is the quality of rugby that they play but their lids and their moustaches they're just taking it to a, to a new level so firstly you know where I'm coming here we go you know here where we I'm go. coming yeah. so when you talk about lids and you talk about some of the stuff that we see down there like how are you feeling about everything because you spent a lot of money. I don't know whether you got it for free, that new lid that you got. Why are you being horrible, Jim? I'm not. I'm asking the question. I'm trying to ask it in a really polite way. Hoggy, what the hell's happened to the lid? <laughs> oh, mate. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what happened, right? Obviously, I might have um, had a little bit of work done to it. Uh, oh, you, oh, you have. You can was, be honest. You have. Yeah. No, I've had some work done. It's, it's, it's blatantly obvious. Um, so I just had the kind of hairline done. And then I was given a dodgy old haircut uh, towards the back end of last season. 
try to get rid of the blonde and um, it all kind of went tits up really. And then I looked, I was balding again. I had a little patch, so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to shave it off and uh, hopefully go back and get some more work done. So that's that's the plans to go back in. You've shaved and it off then, and played and, some high-profile games so that a hair replacement product company comes in and says, we can help you out against Stuart, it's for free. I no like comment. Otherwise, I like this. <laughs> Did uh, so. A question. Obviously, I've had my hair done as well, and mine is just absolutely gorgeous now. It's just on um, a bit, it's just on a swollen face. It is yeah. a swollen face, yeah. But so the blonde bit, did it actually kill off the roots? Because uh, you know, I'm I'm thinking about maybe putting some highlights uh, in mine as well. No, oh, no, it didn't. The, the, uh, no, the blonde, the blonde, um, was was fine for the old uh, old transplant. But uh, yeah, look, it was a, a moment of madness doing that. I just got bored when I was injured and decided to to diet, but. Yeah, looking at it, it's grand. I was told it was fine, uh, and that's the, the hairline part. There's the the added in bits, the strong parts, the rest of it that's that's buggered the nose. So um, we'll just have to get on there, I reckon. So let's let's talk a little bit about Exeter as a place as well. It's a it's a cracking place to live. Uh, I know you obviously moved down from Glasgow, very different um, places, Exeter and Glasgow. But um, we always get a feeling it's a real family club, and I know like Steno's got the bar in Exeter, and uh, some beautiful beaches, and then mum and dad have got a place down in Solcombe. Where you've settled in really well. The kids happy at schools and, and all that stuff, been really well looked after by the club as well. Yeah, and no, they've been brilliant. I think you know the, a big part of me coming down here was the fact that it was a good family club, and you know as soon as uh, Jill and the kids are settled, then I'm going to be going to be playing some good rugby because I'm happy. So that was a huge part of me coming here. And yeah, they've, they've as, as I said earlier, the boys have been brilliant with me. The, the wives and girlfriends have been brilliant, brilliant with Jill as well. So uh, no, it's been perfect. And in the nursery, uh, tearing the place up. Um, there's a few times you've had to. Uh, get a little letter and sign it being aware of what what our, what our son's been up to but um, yeah no it's been good we've settled really well we're enjoying it it's a nice quiet place and uh, we're having some fun mate that's what happens with good old uh, hardy Scottish kids mate the English can't take it so don't worry <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about the weekend because it's Glasgow and we know that this has been on the calendar or you would have known for a long time this has been on the uh, on the calendar how do you approach that game how will the emotions be yeah I think I think for me it's it's different. I've never been in this position before that I'm playing against uh, my old club. So, but for me, I just just got to get on with do my job, make sure that I'm I'm spot on and um, play my part, and uh, it'll be an exciting game for us. So, but back at Sandy Park, obviously it wasn't ideal last week, um, but that result uh, when we played Bristol here. So, now yeah, we can all one to the fans. So, now nah, it's a, a normal game for myself, a normal game for everybody else, and another chance to to take a, a positive step forward in Europe. I played against a lot of my ex-clubs, mate, and my, the first time I played against Leicester, I got sent off, so just don't do that. Uh, don't forearm smash oh, someone oh, in the mate, face. Don't tell me that. But talking about play, ex-teammates, DTH van der Merwe has come out and said he's looking forward to teasing you about your hair. Did you give him your the blonde peroxide? Because he's got it peroxide blonde as well, hasn't it? He? he looks ridiculous. Do you know what? He gave me so much stick for getting mine dye, uh, dyed blonde as well. And I couldn't believe it. And then he comes to the World Cup and he puts a little poll up on his Instagram almost like allowing the fans to pick it, whereas he just wanted to do it because he'd done it in the 2011 World Cup, I think it was. So, yeah, he's he's got the blonde hair. I think Adam Ash has got the blonde hair now as well. There's a few boys a few boys clicked on it, but uh, I don't want to be the one to turn around and say I was a trendsetter. Oh, mate, don't worry, Hoggy, mate. I'm in, mate. I'm going peroxide blonde. I'm going to grow a horrendous moustache and then show you my shotgun chin. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Well, a bit of bagel at the top of the head, mate. <laughs> he's got dust. Oh, right, get, right, get him off. <laughs> he's got dust for that. <laughs> Augie, okay, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. Really appreciate it. Best of luck this weekend against Glasgow. Cheers, guys. Take care. Cheers, Augie. Good luck, mate. Cheers, Augie. Thanks, bye-bye. mate. Top Good lad. lad. Yeah, top lad, mate. He generally is, isn't he? <laughs> that is a top boy. He, yeah, uh, yeah. I, was, I was pitch side at um, Exeter last week. 
for BT. And I could see him in the first half playing really well. He just winked at me half time and pointed at the hair. I was he, like, he knows, mate. He knows he's struggling. No, he's a good he's a top guy, isn't he? He is. And look, you know, we'll talk about him a bit because we've just had him on the show. Big move to go to Exeter, you know, for Scotland players, Yetis from the borders. Um, they're home birds. You know what I mean? Hoggy's been there a long, long time in Scotland. Um, Scotland's best player, probably in the modern generation. And it's a big move. It's not, not a risky move. I think Exeter's a, a perfect fit for him and, and vice versa because if we said before, if Exeter are lacking in anything, it's probably just a little bit of star quality. You know, they've got Henry Slade, they've got grafters throughout the pitch, but Hoggy is just a player that can light up the pitch. It's been a tough start as well. We mentioned it there. That's the first kind of first game really where they've rocked up in since the start of the start of the season, really, and since he's been there. So it must have been a tough start. But we're not asking too much about Scotland. I think it'd be nice a player of his quality to have a change of focus and to have the mm-hmm. ability to win a premiership or, or, or even better, or even better, depends on which one you like the most, uh, do something in Europe as well. And you talk about that extra back line, you've got, say you've got Nick White at nine, um, 13 and back three combo, so you've got Slade at 13, Jack Noll on one wing, Cuthbert on the other potentially, and Hoggy at fullback. That's good enough to win the Champions Cup, so uh, he could be the the final sort of bit of the jigsaw. Um, you know, we've seen him come close in the Premiership over the last couple of years. Uh, they won it, I think, three years ago, whatever it was now, against Wasps. Um, he, like you said, he, he's star quality, one of the best fullbacks in the world year on year for the last however long, six years, I'd say. Well, the funny thing is about it. I don't know if you heard Warren Gatlin in a couple of interviews. He's going through his British and Irish Lions potential teams, and he was speaking about some of the England players that he take. Naturally, the Welsh. Ty Furlong from Ireland. Then the question's asked Scotland. He just says hog. <laughs> <laughs> what an horrible bloke. Well, he's just he's just truthful, isn't he? Well, he's truthful, yeah. Was there any comfort, uh, do you think, for the Saracens players over the weekend seeing Quinns go down by 50? Why have you been horrible? Oh, 50. Been horrible? Oh. Um, well, Goody called it on Twitter, as he does. It's going to be 30. No, it's not. Call it. It's going to be 40. Uh, but he was right. I was. So, yeah, you are, mate. They, there's no doubt in that what you say is right or wrong. I'm not questioning that. Well, it's, it's either right or wrong. There's no in between. <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> there's no doubting. Whatever you say, good, is either right or wrong. Well, yes. it's neither. <laughs> neither <laughs> is neither right nor wrong. Um, Clermont well, still doesn't make sense. Oh, who knows? Anyway, <laughs> Clermont, quality place to go and play. I'd say one of the best stadiums in the world. Uh, we saw the the England women go and beat France the week before yep. in Clermont. I uh, chat, chatted to Sarah Hunter before that. She was excited to go there, and rightly so, because it's a quality place to play. It's always going to be tough for Quinns. I mean, you know, they, they've been all over the media the week before. Um, they're probably exhausted, to be fair. You know, it was a tough week the week before. Um, and then you've got to get on a plane. You've got to go to France, and you've got to eat baguettes for breakfast and stuff like that. It was always going to be an uphill battle. It really was. Why, uh, why have you been so <laughs> Why are you gleefully I'm not. smiling and talking about Harlequins taking 50? Oh. <laughs> they are one of the biggest teams in Europe, notoriously. And again, it's a tough place to go and play. You talk about big teams in Europe. You talk about big players. All I heard over the uh, the microphones around the Stead Marcel Michelin, any time Paseliato got the ball or Racker, they were like, your man. I just kept hearing your man from all the... It was literally, every time Yato got the ball, he scored a try in the first half. And I'm like... It looks like he's a grown man playing against some small children. And that's no disrespect necessarily to Harlequins. He was just a monster. Um, and, you know, I, I said it before the game, looked at the two teams, uh, you know, watching the, the build-up, and I'm like, you know, that is a tough place to play, isn't it? And Quinns had a lot of youngsters playing, and, yeah, they got absolutely hosed. Uh, some good parts, you know, Ibitoi created a good try. For me, that's one of the tries of the season, really. In the, in, in, I know he didn't score it, but individually. Yeah. 
in terms of that break. Interesting thing, though. <laughs> so he makes the break, all that stuff, offloads it to Lang. Lang dives over, like a bit of a celebratory dive, doesn't even get up and go over to Ibitori to thank him. <laughs> like, if you've had an easy try like that, you're running straight to the guy that's made all nah, the effort. mate, yeah, they've got a great culture there. Like, they're fine, <laughs> mate. Yeah, <laughs> they don't need to do that. You didn't, I noticed it. I'm like, you, surely you yeah, just run straight yeah, to Ibitori, yeah. high-five him. And say, so, mate, that's awesome. You've yeah. created that, and I've just dived over. But nah, you don't do that. Um, yeah, it was. And Guzzy said it himself. He said, you know, it just wasn't good enough. Gloucester are up against it now to qualify, aren't they? After going down to Toulouse. Oh, I was disappointed with Gloucester again, and I hate to say it. They need you, Jim. They need Cipriani firing. Well, they need you. They can't win a line yeah. out. Why don't you go and look after their line out for them? Yeah, you live nearby. Know. Do it for free. Yeah, I could do. You like a bit of charity? Very true. I do, mate. That's me. That's me all over. Um, just disappointed with. The way that they play, but Toulouse are a very good team. Yeah, like they are. are. This is the thing. The second half, especially, you know, where Gloucester couldn't get the ball. Um, I know it sounds as simple as, oh, you just need to get the ball back. But a team of Toulouse's quality and their size, we mentioned they lost six or seven lineouts against the head. Just that, that Saracens game last week where they got humped and then Mahumped. Mahumped. They got Mahumped again this weekend, you know, lost against Leicester the week before. And as we know, everything's momentum, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And there was a couple of things that came out the week before. Friday Night Lights at King's Home. It's a quality place to play. Beat Toulouse there a few years ago, uh, which is one you of my highlights. You didn't tell us that last week either. Yeah, I don't know if I didn't tell you, but hey, you know. we've got a group chat with all the old Gloucester lads on. And there was, a, um, so obviously you get clips on YouTube. They're sending it through. I had this vision that I had an absolute barnstormer of a game. Now, Toulouse had a brilliant team that when they came to King's Home, like Dusa was playing as well. A load of other good players. So I'm watching it and they scored a worldie of a try. Missed tackle, Jim Hamilton. <laughs> Standard. Se- seven minutes into this clip. Referee was in my way. And obviously all the lads are getting stuck into me. Because I had this thing that I had an absolute barnstormer of a game. Well, that, that's what's happened. Since you retired, your vision of your career was you were the best player in the world in your position. And then, no, no, I wasn't the best player. I was in the top 10 of the world. Okay. But voted then, for online. But then when you go back to through all the clips... Um, Yes, James. They're not all good. Um, you guys mentioned it, and Sam Cox actually tweeted us in asking what what, what is going on with Gloucester's line I went through them. A couple of bad calls, a couple of missed throws. Did you nauseatingly clip every line? No, no, I didn't. No, I went back it. and just like rewound just to see because it's easy to say. Oh, I, the, like, I like this, James Hamilton. Yeah, I, I tell you what, it, when you're looking, there's so many different things that go into a line out. So opposition's one, whether teams compete, some of them stay down, some of them don't. You get the opposition players moving around. Some of them is the hooker, the line out caller, the movement as well. There's so many different variables. The lift, if it's wet and you don't get the lift, then you do a. Uh, you do a Michael Holford lift and basically pull the shorts over the head like you're pulling a wedgie. Um, there was there was loads of different factors. But yeah, I mean, against Toulouse on a Friday night, if you lose six or seven of your own line-outs, you ain't, the likelihood of you winning the game is pretty slim, to be honest. I reckon there's a job for you there, Jim. Line-out consultant. Very true. Yeah. You've seen true. Sam Warburton taking the job with Wales for breakdown and, was it defence and breakdown? Jim Hamilton, Gloucester, line-out specialist. Their best line-out operator ever at Gloucester, apart from Jim, was Alex Brown, yeah. who was an absolute line-out nose, knew everything there was to know about line-outs, and he was unbelievable, wasn't he? He's just moved up to commercial gym, so he's gone from team manager up to commercial director. Yeah, commercial director, that's it. So if you're listening, Brownie, and I know you are, get Jim Hamilton on, the, on, on the coaching staff. He's not far now. No. He's moved to 15 different houses over the last three years. The kids aren't sleeping. He wants to be out in the house doing another job. There you go, Jim. I've got, I'll take 15%. Oh, no, because Saracen's players don't have agents. So there we go. I've got a funny story about lineouts. So when I was at Leicester, I was calling lineouts. And this is just probably give you a bit of context around how the game has evolved. Martin Johnson at the front. 
I'm in the middle calling lineouts. Ben Kay's injured or away. Leo Cullen's ill. Lewis Deacon's <laughs> injured as well. So it's me and Jono. We played, I played about eight games with Martin Johnson. No ban. Two very similar players, two very similar characters in the same team, <laughs> in that engine room. You said he's got Ella for Bush as well. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I mean, it goes without saying. So very similar, yourself? Very similar. At the minute, yeah. Life's not great. <laughs> Why is life not great if you've got a bush or not? I don't know how you... That's how you warrant your life. Do you have a bush? Yes. Life's shit at the minute. Do you not? Life's great. I haven't got aftershave at the minute. That's how bad things are. Anyway... Leicester, Northampton. Uh, Northampton, back in the day, very good pack, as Leicester did. We ain't winning any ball. We can't win any ball. I don't even know. If what, you the, and John are in the lineup. Yeah, me and John in the lineup. I've got Adam Bolden in the back row. He don't jump. I've got Josh Cromfeld in the back row. He ain't jumping either. And then, who else? Kozak and Martin Corrie can jump. Out of a bush. Out of a bush, fully marked. Mm. We've lost about three lineups in a row. We're at Franklin's Garden. So I turn around to John I'm like, Jono, what the fuck? He said, what do you mean, what the fuck? Just hit me on a two-step lob. <laughs> so we've done a two-step lob. Jono's not got any of the, you know, the line-out tape that you've got on. Holf's at the front, I mentioned him before. Hey, serendipitous. Look look at us talking about him now. What a word. Um, Jono um, goes up in the air on a two-step lob. Holf literally pulls his shorts that eye up. His testicles pop out the side. <laughs> Ball goes straight over the top. Jono is raging with me like it's my fault. I'm like, Jono, where the fuck is a two-step lob going these days? Get your leg taped. Get your legs taped or get off the fucking field. <laughs> As if you spoke to Jono like that. That's what I said in my head. That's what I said in my head. Just briefly, before we get into some social media questions, have you guys seen the uh, excerpts from Eddie Jones's book that are floating around? I have. And I find this quite interesting because I don't think it's right. We agree. High we five. High five. Right or wrong. You're right and wrong sometimes. Yeah, yes. You're yeah. either right or you're wrong. Yeah, sometimes. You, you know, you're one of those things. I don't agree with it. He's bringing this book out, you know, and... Lo and behold, I did say it about George Ford maybe not playing the final. Everyone ridiculed me because he played so well against New Zealand. But Eddie Jones is now thinking, I should have done that. But then he's putting it in a book. And I've heard rumours that the England players in their EPS contracts cannot write a book for a certain period of time if they're still playing from the end of their last game for England. Now, it's slightly different. Dylan Hartley's bringing a book out, but he's retired from the game, so it probably doesn't count. But... I don't just doesn't sit right with me. The England bloke, England head coach, is bringing a book out after the World Cup when he's still going to coach in the Six Nations and he's here for at least a couple more years. And he's, you know, Gats is doing a book as well and he's throwing a few hand grenades out there with a few things we work. But he's going back to New Zealand. I'm with you. And the fact that we're talking about it means that we're probably going to read it or, in my case, listen to it. I, I, I like the mystique around guys like Warren Gatland. Why does he need to bring a book out? D- 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 does he want to? put his memoirs out there. I mean, is it going to be... It's cash money, in it? Yeah, but he doesn't need the money. This was going to be my point. How do you know? What do you mean, how do I know? I'm, I'm just stating the obvious. How who do, who doesn't want... need money? Everyone gets... Where's the fucking off... money? But this, this is the thing. People put offers in front of people. I got offered to write a book and, you know, the money wasn't enough for me to spill everything that I wanted to spill. Oh, like, God. You know... Blood and guts everywhere. What would you have spelled? Well, there's... You know, you've we've got a bank of stories that you think, once you put it out in print, it's there forever. Um, and I did. I wouldn't want to do a book that was just a fluffy part of my career. That what about Chris Ashton's book? The worst book. I haven't it, read it. Mate, well, I don't think anyone else. <laughs> but that's the thing. So shit town, splash town. Yeah. So so with Gats doing his book, um, you know, that's it's got to be a you know it's got to be a reasonable cash deal there for him, and it will sell a lot of copies, I reckon, because he's been very successful. It, what doesn't sit well with me is Eddie Jones bringing his book out while he's still England coach. Mm. Yeah, that's bizarre. And I, I think that's really weird, especially when you've said some of the things you've said about you should have dropped George Ford for the final. 
You've got to coach him again, the Six Nations. Mm. Mate, and he should have dropped Mako and he should have played Joe yeah. Marla. I, I, this is what I mean. And I gave or felt a lot of respect for Eddie Jones towards the end of the World Cup. I did. And we, we spoke about some of the stuff, the way that he, he conducts himself sometimes. I just, I'm like, how much do you get paid for being an England coach? How much? 500 grand a year? No, a bit more. I don't 750? Yeah. I mean, it's much of a muchness to when you, once you get to that stage, isn't it? Let's be honest. So he definitely doesn't need the money. But I just don't get what why you keep that to yourself. I, oh, in hindsight, I, in, well, yeah, it isn't. I think we can all see that that when Joe Marler came on against South Africa, the scrum was better. So hindsight was you should have picked him. You don't need to say that. Oh, I think the RFU have made a mistake letting him write a book. Should we have a look at the rumor mills? Oh, anything floating around gosh, at the moment that you guys yes. can let us in on? Uh, I've got one for you. Go on, Justin Tipperick. Oh, where's he going? To Bristol. Half a mil. Where are Bristol getting the money? Mate, why are you pointing the finger at every other I'm club? I'm not. I am looking at their quality. They're in the top of the Prem, Goody. If you just binned off the salary cap, and people have asked this question, what's the point of the salary cap? Get rid of it. Bristol would blow the market wide open. Steve Lansdowne's got more money than anyone else that owns a rugby club, comfortably as well. So he could just go and sign a World 15, and that's what would make a mockery of it. So that's why the salary cap is very important to every team, including salary sons. Any other rumours floating around? Oh, your boy or our, or our boy oh Mr. Track oh Ross Moriarty yeah yeah I don't know it's a weird one that because there's talk of him uh, going to Exeter I don't, I don't see that no I don't, I, Simmons yeah Armand mm, maybe interesting well we're going to have a look at some social media questions now Scrum365 has tweeted in does Scotland need a third pro team well it's interesting this because as we know, news has broke. The CVC have now invested into the Guinness Pro 14 as well. How that money is distributed, Goody, you are the man in the know and has an opinion. I'm not 100% sure. Could Scotland use that money for a third pro team? I think it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because Glasgow are doing so well. Edinburgh are improving. Is there, well, there is, there's a space to do one. There was one in the borders. Do they need another one? I'm just, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I get asked this question a lot, actually. A lot of it's about the amount of players they've got as well, isn't it? What, what you don't want is to end up with a third team that's full of just imports um, because they haven't got enough players that could be competitive. Now, uh, in the Guinness Pro 14, obviously there's an X amount of millions, 120 million or something was bandied around um, that will be divvied up around, I presume, the IRFU, the WRU and the SRU. So, you know, they'll have to do what they want with that money, they're getting about 35 million each from what we hear. In reality, 35 million to launch a new team probably isn't, and it sounds ridiculous, probably isn't enough. Yeah, I, I think the money needs to be used elsewhere. I, I actually personally think there's probably one too many teams in Wales, and I feel rubbish saying that. I just think you look at the regions in Wales and you look at how well supported they are or not well supported they are now. I just think you've got to condense it as much as possible and then put all your resources into that a great academy. They've got the semi-pro league up in Scotland now and try and grow the game there and let the guys go off like Hoggy's playing at Exeter, Finns in, in Paris. Maybe let your star guys go and do that Richie Gray to lose and then try and use your, your team to compete in the, in, the, in the Guinness Pro 14, which Glasgow have done. Edinburgh are doing more so now. At Ben Runs in UK has tweeted in, Sean Edwards in France. Discuss. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, two things. One, as Jim said, it would be hilarious just to be a fly on the wall in some of those meetings when he's fucking smash him, fucking smash the English fucker. Just we try for the game, just smash him. <laughs> um, 
the first thing to be to see some of their faces when they get coached in a way that they'll have never been coached before. Secondly, what he will do, he'll have a massive impact on how good that French team could improve and how much they'll improve, how good they'll be going forward. Because a lot of the time, defence is about heart, and you know, you, you put your structure in place, but it's a lot about heart. And you know, sometimes you can question the French on on that. Um, when you've got someone like Sean Edwards who makes everyone accountable for every little action they do on the rugby field, they will improve a huge amount off the back of him being there. I think the big thing about it is, and again, I might be completely wrong, I think living in France full-time, which Ron O'Gara, La Rochelle, and as he did with Paris, has done seamlessly, uh, can be more difficult than maybe doing what Sean Edwards is doing, dip in, dip out, and have it have a big influence like that. I think he's going to be a game-changer for mm. him. I think you talk about what France need, and we spoke about it before, and they played with a lot more structure, the structure being the word, in the World Cup. They look better for it. They look fitter. I just think in order for them to progress, they, they're going the right way by getting someone like Sean Edwards. Rocks up to a, the first press conference, full track suit because he loves it. Notepad. Only coach with a notepad, with notes in. That's the difference, isn't it? I know. Like It's something as subtle as that. You know, he, He's one of the most diligent coaches, and that's why he's one of the best coaches in the world. And now Le Francais, uh, he'll have... They've got him. I tried to say that in French. If I <laughs> Too tired. I'll tell you the other thing he won't be saying either is bleh, bleh, bleh. It'll just be like, fucking smash him. Fucking <laughs> smash him. I hope you say that in French. Fucking smash him. Don't care if your leg's fucking broken. Get up online. Fucking get offline and smash him. And then rub a forget in his eye. <laughs> Neil McCain has tweeted, which Welsh players weren't getting on talking about as having something slipped into their protein shake. Interesting that, isn't it? It's a throwaway comment that apparently the Welsh Rugby Union have clarified as it was just a bit of a joke from Warren Gatland. I mean, there ain't no smoke without fire. You know, you, we talked about the books earlier, didn't we? Strange thing to do for Eddie Jones right now, but Warren Gatland, he's chucked a few hand grenades out there, hasn't he? I'm a little bit shocked when I was, I was watching some of his interviews mm. of how candid he was and, and how, and, and it's nice, how revealing he was. It is, but I don't know, I'm a goodie. You can't, mate, you can't be throwing stuff like that about because the way that the world is now, and we can take it with a pinch of salt. But the masses, the social media goers... Trolls, you call them, Jim. The goodies, the social media goodies, are all going to pass judgment on it. And now it's built up a bit of hysteria. Who is it? You know, Gavin Henson came out and says, well, I'm happy to go on a lie detector <laughs> yeah, test. I'd that. love to see that naked. I'd love to see you do that. <laughs> you're, a, you're a good-looking man who has changed your life for the better. And you're... Well, he's been a bit in the media, Gavin Henson. Follow him on social. Don't follow me back. Uh, talking to social, yeah, Joe Marler follows you again now, doesn't he? He does. I think he does, yeah. Why does he not follow me? He doesn't like you. No, very true. But I was surprised, actually. Gavin Henson hasn't got that many followers, has he? No. It's really surprised me. I quite like what Gavin Henson's done, actually. I know we're going slightly off topic. His here, hair. Yeah, he's just under the radar. Under the radar a bit. changed his life out of the limelight. Apart from being on Celebrity Hunted, we've not seen much of him. I had a conversation about Celebrity Hunted. Tried to get us on that. Oh, really? Mm, I, just, I just didn't think I'd last very long trying to hide Maybe out. You I'd sacrifice you. Would you? Yeah. Sacrificial lamb? Well, no. I know that you're not going to make it to the end. So there'd come a point where we were doing that where I'd be like, take him. <sighs> Take him. He will feed you for three years. <laughs> Cameron Corkin has tweeted in, if you were in Celebrity Jungle, which player would you not want to share a hammock with? Two players that disgusted me. First one, I feel harsh saying this because he's actually a good bloke. He was hanging, wasn't he, Jim? Well, I don't know what you're going to say. You, you mentioned him earlier. Oh, my. <laughs> Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michael Holford, absolutely hanging. Why? Um, well, firstly, the first thing why he was hanging, and Goody might have another thing, is 
when he was a young lad, he, his finger got chopped off at the knuckle, one finger in a car door. For some reason, that finger, which is which is now down at the kind of second little knuckle in the middle, it's basically got half his finger missing, has started growing a nail. Well, it started growing a nail years ago. <laughs> so he's got it's like a nail coming out of... The out, claw. Out of like, and they called it the claw. And he just used to sit there smelling it all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pointing it. He'd be pointing the claw. And Holf is the one who made up rules is rules. So yeah. we didn't make up the rules. We just abided by them. Yeah, he used to put it down the down his back, have a scratch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Disgusting. Uh, yeah. But he he wasn't the worst. No, no. And I don't. You might have played against. Him. You probably wouldn't have remembered, but you might have remembered if you ever got near him. There was a prop that I played with at Worcester called Oliver Tomacek. He was, to be fair to him, very intelligent. I think he was at Oxford or something like that. But his personal hygiene, comfortably, the worst human being I've ever seen in my life. Never showered after a game, never yeah. showered after training, um, wouldn't wash, doesn't brush his teeth. Pissed in the pool. He'd come in, he'd have, he'd have strapping still on his leg three days after a game and that he just wouldn't take off. Like, and, have, you oh, got any, have you got any horrible habits or not that you want to share? Well, I've got any horrible habits. Like you pick your nose and eat it. I've done no, that a few times. Well, not, I, I don't sit How there often and, would you pick your nose and eat it a week, would you say? <laughs> like, I'm not that high, I'm probably 20 times I'm a flicker, a I'm a flicker. You, fl- you flick them? I'm a flicker. Apparently, if you eat your bogeys, it does something to your immune system. So it ain't working for me. Life lessons by Jim Hamilton. Anyway, there we go. Um, the worst thing I do, probably, my missus will say I snore. And it doesn't surprise you, does it? <laughs> no, there's a lot of weight on them lungs. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, uh, no, I, t- I suppose that the worst thing I'm doing at the minute with the twins is, I sent you that video, didn't I? They just repeat everything you say. So Goody sends me this video of the, of the twins in the Range Rover. They're lovely car seats, by the way. Why are they so clean? Ours have got biscuits and spew all over them. People that do that for me, Jim. Yeah, of course. That's the difference. Here we go. No beds. No beds. No beds. No beds. No beds. Wow. So, yeah. It's your children. I, that is my children. Yeah, how old are they? Uh, they just turned two. So okay. proud. Their vocabulary. Yeah. yeah they're really coming fir- along nicely. What was your first word? No bed. <laughs> is that two words or not? No bed. No, I think, I think it's yeah, one. No, I think it's two words. All right, well, should we finish things off with the good, the bad, and the ugly? Yeah, go on. Yeah, let's. Okay. Uh, yeah, as ever, plenty of good this week. Uh, we'll start off in the Challenge Cup, and we'll start off at Leicester Tigers. I always feel bad when I have to speak badly about my old club, uh, but we're going to start with something positive this week. Jonah Holmes, Boner, they call him. Uh, Boner Holmes became the first Leicester Tigers player to score four tries in a game since friend of the show, Tom Vandell, the old uh, who scored four at Claremont in 2006. Played in that game, did you, Jim? I can't remember. No, probably, you probably, you mate. You didn't. That's when I nearly signed for Claremont, actually. Um, so, yeah, Jonah Holmes scoring four tries for Leicester Tigers in the Champions Cup. They got their season slightly back on track with a good win at the weekend. Uh, Gabriel Ibatoy's break for James Lang's try. We spoke about that earlier in Quinn's defeat at Claremont. Joe Simpson, we didn't mention him actually when we talked about Gloucester earlier. How quick was he? Couple of tries. I think he's now seven tries in seven games for Gloucester. Really good start for him at his new club. Uh, what else was good? We'll go to Racing. We'll go over to France. Finn Russell um, and Vakatawa. Finn Russell, some magical moments in Racing's spanking of Saracens, especially his try. Um, we'll go over to Ireland now. The Irish provinces. They're featuring a lot in the good this week. They weren't great at the World Cup, the Irish. But their club game, their provinces, are going strong. Uh, all four of them won in the Champions Cup at the weekend. Uh, Munster, we didn't talk about them actually this week because a lot of games to talk about. Didn't perhaps get through them all. But 
Monster, a massive result at the Ospreys. You'd expect them to win, but what I loved about them, in the last minute, last play of the game, I say last minute, it was four minutes into the red red time, a 14-man driving more to get the bonus point. There we go. You'd have loved that, Jim, wouldn't you? There we go. That's what I'll do at Gloucester if they want me. There you go. We'll get you a job. We'll get you a job. Um, So that was outstanding. Monster, Connacht, didn't talk about them much, but they beat Montpellier, despite having 12 players missing through injury. Uh, Poor Vern. (laughs) Vern might be going back to... Scotland. Oh, what do you know? Michael Checker might be going there. Who knows? Um, anyway, uh, Connacht did really well beating Montpellier. Great victory for them at the sports ground. Continuing with the Irish team, obviously Ulster won at Bath. Uh, Stock horse with his last ditch tackle. <laughs> and Cooney. Uh, and Cooney played really well as well. Um, outstanding win on the road for them. Leinster, it wasn't a massively flattering performance. Uh, but what was good about Leinster was Gary Ringrose, his first hat-trick of his career, uh, back from some World Cup disappointment, back in the fold at Leinster and going well. Um, let's go over to France then, shall we? Yeah. Toulouse. Not many French teams went away from home. We saw Lyon top of the league. Didn't do well, particularly away from home, but Toulouse showed their European ke- pedigree with a decent comeback at King's Home against Gloucester to win. Uh, they look a pretty good bet this year to be involved in the latter stages. Clermont will stay in France. They looked bloody good. Uh, Alavaretti Raka and Patheli Yato were outstanding. But the good this week goes to a team that haven't had the best of times in Europe over the last few years. We spoke to a very key man in their squad earlier in Stuart Hogg. Uh, the good this week goes to Exeter for a massive victory down in La Rochelle on the road. Uh, it could be their year in Europe. A great start to the competition for them. A big win in France. Well done, the extra Chiefs. They get the good. Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs. The bad. Let's start with Saracens on the field. 30 points taken over at Racing. Just, just one. Who did Wasp play at the weekend? No, uh, we lost to Bordeaux. Oh, okay. Just, um, I was just asking. I didn't know. We didn't, not, yeah, we lost yeah. to Bordeaux, who are above Racing in the league. Okay. Uh, made 14 changes. Played really well. Could have won the game, uh, but lost 40 points to 30. It was a good game, actually. Uh, but that's in. That's not in the bad. So what, what are you talking about? Why are you so defensive? No, I, just, I was just asking. I just so the, generally was interested. Uh, that was pretty bad. Um... What else is bad? We'll stay in France. And they featured in part of the good. And we talked him up. But Patheli Yato, did you see his attempt at the chip ahead while running down the touchline? Hilarious. I mean, have you ever done that, Jim? Have you ever tried to kick a ball? Yeah, I the have. Field? Barbars versus Scotland in 2006. What happened? Are you playing for the Barbars or Scotland? I was playing for the Barbars. It came off my ear. <laughs> Never did one again. Yeah, Patheli Yato with the air shot. Uh, that was pretty bad. Um, we'll stay in France. Montpellier, same old story in Europe, away from home. They've now lost 14 of their last 15 away games in Europe uh, and have still never won in Ireland. Uh, That wasn't great. Uh, What else was bad? Ospreys got absolutely spanked at home by Munster 32-13. Empty stadium as well. Wasn't happy with that. European rugby, Munster in town, not many people watching. Not good times for the Ospreys. Uh, They've now lost six of their last seven games this season. Um, What else was bad? Harlequins got destroyed over in Claremont, 50 points taken. At times, it looked like men against boys. Defence was optional for some of the Quinns boys at times. So not a great start to the Champions Cup for them. But the bad this week, we've got to go with it. We're going back to Saracens. Saracens get the bad this week for two weeks ago saying they were shocked and uh, can't believe the heavy-handedness of Premiership Rugby. And then today, as we sit here, they have basically admitted they're guilty as charged for their salary cap breach and have taken the punishment. So the bad has to go to Saracens. The ugly. 
The ugly. Well, only one ugly thing really this week. And unfortunately, we've got to give him some airtime because it's that clown, Israel Falau again. Oh my word, we haven't spoken about him. What an absolute tool he is. Mm. He's, I'm going to swear, because I think you can swear at, the, uh, at any point about stuff like this. The guy is a fucking tool. He is. Seriously, man. What is wrong with you, mate? What is wrong with you? He's an absolute tool. Um, it's pretty ugly, obviously, suggesting that the bushfires in Australia that have devastated the country and claimed six lives are God's way of punishing Australia for legalising abortion and same-sex marriage. The guy's an idiot. Israel Folau, you are a complete chump. Someone stick him on a rocket and launch him out of this world. What an absolute tool. Israel Falau gets the ugly. Thanks, Goody. And you've got a shout out to finish off with, haven't you? Yeah, just got a quick shout out to Matter Jaffa137, uh, who sent me a message on Instagram to say he's had a bit of a shit 2019 with some personal stuff going on off the field, but also having to retire from playing rugby on the field. But listening to the pod has helped him out during tough times, and he's hoping to get to a live show soon. So hopefully uh, we'll see you at the Christmas one, Matter Jaffa 137 uh, Glad you're enjoying the pod. We like to make a bit of a difference to people's lives, um, try and put smiles on people's faces. So yeah, thinking of you, mate, and hopefully you have a better 2020. Here, here. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Uh, good luck for this Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's oh, good yeah. luck putting the boots back on. Thanks, producer Tim, and thank you for listening as well. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Twitter, review us on iTunes, and check out our Superfans monthly subscription service at patreon.com forward slash the Rugby Pod. Rugby Pod. Pod, pod, pod. pod.